All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Uh, just like last week, I got Nick and Brad back. Guys, how's it going? Good, man. Pretty good. Well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, first off, I want a special shout out to the listeners. Uh, last week's breakdown episode got the highest listenership since our mock draft back in April. So listeners are, are up this week, and that's that's huge. I thought it was a great episode. What did you guys think? I thought it was awesome. Uh, Nick Nick coming on, he added a, a nice little piece to the show as well. And I really think the Facebook group is helping out. I, I think everyone likes being interactive and then listening to see if uh, their opinions match what, you know, the – the like the polls that we've been putting up and everything and uh i hope you guys like being interactive i think it's fun too i know i've had a couple people branch out to me in text or via at work to talk about the podcast and it's real fun that we're making this uh all-inclusive thing for everyone to feel like they're a part of it's a lot of fun yeah nick what did you think your first time on the pod i know you told me you had a lot of fun but what'd you think of uh what'd you think of the episode um i mean it was pretty I, I thought it was just a great conversation three guys talking sports and you know it's a lot of fun to do and like you said you know how cool is it you know it, even being a smaller podcast just to sit and you know interact with the people who listen to you you know i, I think it's great to be able to listen to something and actually communicate your thoughts and opinions back and forth the facebook page is going to be great yeah i mean there's uh there's lots to get to so we're gonna we're gonna dive right in but Everybody that's that's part of the Facebook group, thank you for your participation this week. We're going to get to the results of the polls in just a second here. I do want to spend a special thank you to you guys. Um, if you have friends that are not a part of it, shoot them an invite. Get them part of the page. We'll get some more votes in. And feel free to add content. I know there was a couple different people that uh, added some some polls and, and questions this week. I know there was a uh, special little section of shit on Michigan this week. But <laughs> <laughs> I – Awesome. Thank you guys again. I love talking sports and that's really what this podcast is all about. It's nothing more than that. So uh, with that being said, the results of the poll, uh, 22 votes came in for Green Bay to take the division this year. Seven came in for the Minnesota Vikings, two for the Detroit Lions and one for the Chicago Bears. And that is our own Nick Gallagher here on the pod. So and and that hurt my soul to do, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. We're going to get to your Detroit Lions right off the bat, Nick. So Detroit ends 2019. They were 3-12-1. Their one tie was opening weekend with the Cardinals. Uh, they lost their last nine, but it was not with Matthew Stafford. They were without their, their star Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, their offseason, they lost Darius Slay. They drafted Jeff Okuda and DeAndre Swift. They traded for New England's Deron Harmon to sure up the safety secondary and they signed a couple of corners, Desmond Trufant, Daryl Roberts, and they go and steal uh, division rival Jamario, Jamario Anderson, Allison. Wow. I can't talk the wide receiver from green Bay. Um, just those moves alone, Nick, what do you like? What do you not like? Well, um, I mean, I, I like a lot of the additions. Uh, one, I don't think I heard you name, which surprised me, was Jamie Collins coming over at the linebacker spot, coming out of New England. Yes, uh, actually, you know what? That was actually not on the transaction wire, but you're right. Yes, that did happen. Good call yeah. there. And we do have the uh, the Motown Patriots build going, or at least attempting to anyway. Um I, I liked our draft. We went for positions of need. We got what I thought was the best running back in the draft. 
got a steal from out of what's his name Oguara from Notre Dame that defensive end linebacker hybrid ground, yeah. you know had he have not gotten hurt his senior year he should have at the very least been a you know early to mid second round pick um really with Detroit I the, my biggest problem is just can Patricia really control that locker room and it's been a problem every offseason since he started players talking about he's you know, attempting to be Bill Belichick, and he does not have the pedigree to try and do that. Darius Slay is leaving because he has an issue with Patricia. Damon Harrison said he'd rather retire than play another season for Patricia. We trade a safety in Quandre Diggs in the middle of last season because he didn't get along with Patricia. It's just they had, they had this talent. It's can they bring it together and make it mesh in this system? Can I add? That Diggs, uh, Dig, it's Diggs, right? You just said the safety. Andre Diggs, yeah, the safety. Yeah. yeah. So they they traded Diggs to Seattle for like a cup of coffee, like a sixth round pick. Yeah, I believe it was a uh, conditional sixth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time where Diggs was playing well, you give him up for. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of a sixth round pick like it's nothing. I mean, Tom Brady came from the sixth round, but ultimately a sixth round pick is not. It's not an everyday starter in this league. So to just give up a starter in the secondary. Now, mind you, they ended up trading for Deron Harmon, who is a starter. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there. Brad, what do you got on the Lions here? Uh, quick question before I get in. Um, did they have Trey Flowers at all during last year? Did they acquire him and Danny Shelton in the offseason too? They no. had Trey Flowers last season. Yeah. Okay. He was – yep. He – um. They, they had him running a lot of inside technique, kind of like a 3-4 defensive end versus a primary pass rusher just because they had um, <clears throat> Deshaun Hand hurt last season, which was yeah. our best run stuff for outside of uh, Robinson, but or I'm sorry, Harrison. And with him being gone, that that really, really hurt the that front four, but <clears throat> he should Trey, be moving back more to a natural defensive end this year. Yeah, Trey Flowers had seven sacks last year and eight tackles for loss. So not a terrible year, but really not the year you would expect from somebody that signed a five-year, $85 million deal. Yeah, um, so I guess with the Lions, I mean, you guys really touched on a lot, and I know they're your team, Nick. Uh, they did have a lot of good acquisitions. I think Carrion Johnson was becoming a star until he got hurt at running back last year, and their quarterback went down Stafford. We all know that. So adding DeAndre Swift, I think they have a really nice um, one-two punch in their running back. Um, you added Geronimo Allison being added at wide receiver, correct, to go along with Kenny Galladay, who is a beast. Love Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones Jr., I mean, his it's just consistency with him, but they've got the weapons. Um and I guess I'll get us started on the, the little new segment Jeff wanted to get into here with uh, some breakout player predictions. And I think with all the weapons we're talking about, I think TJ Hawkinson is built for a breakout season. Um, last year as a rookie, he had 32 catches. I look for that to at least double going into this year, over 64 catches. I think he's going to move into that that tight end range, maybe the top 10, maybe 10 to, 10 to 12 there. He's going to be a solid number one tight end. I like what the Lions are doing. And even looking last year, I know we spoke on them losing 12 of their last 13 games. They kind of started okay, and then it kind of the wheels fell off. But I don't think anyone thought the Lions were a walkover. They played a lot of games to one possession losses or one possession games. And 
especially without having Matt Stafford to, to continue to score 20, 25 points a game. I think the Lions are a team that maybe we don't predict them to do super well, but at the same time, I think the Lions could shock a lot of people this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, one of the things that I have for my breakout player coming from the defensive side of the ball, which I, you know, Nick, you touched on it. Patricia really hasn't being a defensive minded coach. The one thing that you expect from your team is to be good defensively. Just like when you have an offensive coach, you expect your team to be good offensively. And Patricia just hasn't really brought that in Detroit, but he has been bringing over some guys from new England. He's been bringing in different people that he believes in. They go out and draft a, what they believe is the next shutdown corner in this league. My breakout player is Trey Flowers. His career high in sacks is only seven, but he's done it three times. This is the year that he starts getting paid on this contract. Over 12 sacks is my prediction for Trey Flowers. I'm expecting a big year from him uh, in a true pass rusher role, and that's my breakout. Nick, what do you got, man? Um, I have one from each side of the ball. I mentioned him earlier, uh, Deshaun Hand. That that front group of guys is a totally different unit when they have Deshaun Hand healthy. I mean, he was he was flirting outside of Devin Bush for defensive rookie of the year. You know, just two seasons ago, and then to lose him at the start of the training camp was awful. And then on the offense, uh, if if this team's going to do well. It's got to be DeAndre Swift, I, I have to believe, because, you know, on Johnson is great between the tackles, and I love watching him run the ball, but dating back to high school, this guy cannot stay healthy. Maybe adding Swift into a rotation where he doesn't have to do everything for the Lions to have any rushing yards could be a huge deal to keep on Johnson fresh. Yeah, um, I just wanted to jump in here just real quick, a little bit of backtracking. Um, I do like DeAndre Swift, I believe I also mentioned a one-two punch. I think DeAndre Swift's going to be better for them in passing situations as well. I like that pick. Um, But what I forgot to touch on is you talked about uh, Matt Patricia and how him controlling the locker room. One, I agree. A lot of people did leave because of him. But two, I believe a lot of those people, you know, those were stars that left. You mentioned the safety, Darius Slay. So I think he's doing a good job of getting the locker room to the point to where it's his guys that believe in him. I think even like he basically showed last year with Diggs in the sixth round pick, you know, if you're not part of us, see ya, we'll figure it out. So I think they should have a better locker room mentality under their coach and he should have more control. And I believe it's what his third or fourth year as the head coach. This is his third season as the head coach. Yeah. So the first two seasons he's worked on, you know, changing the roster to his team. I think the GM for the Lions has done a good job on letting him have a little bit of time to do that. And I think this year the Lions Lions are going to be pretty good. Okay. Let's uh let's prove that. What do you got for their first five, Brad? Um their first five, I they are home against the Bears, then they are at the Packers, then they are at the Cardinals, home against the Saints. It's a bye week, week five. They come out of the bye week and play the Jags. Um, I have them beating the Bears, losing to the Packers, but I think I have them beating the Cardinals. That's going to be a good game, I think. Um, It's tough at the Saints. I mean, I think the Saints will win that game. And then I have everybody on the planet beating the Jaguars. 
Okay, so Nick, before you get in here, I'm going to jump in. So this is a really tough open for them because I I do believe when Stafford is healthy and what this team brought in, I think they're better than what this first four is going to look like. I believe that their ceiling in this in this first four is one and three, but I actually have them starting off 0-4. It's not a good look. I think the Bears are too tough defensively. We're going to get into the Bears just in a little bit the Packers though they lost a lot and they I I don't think they're winning this division we'll get in there a little bit later I still think they're better than Detroit in a week two matchup the Cardinals game is iffy because we're I think all three of us are high on the cards you guys are higher as you guys stated last week than I am but I still believe they're good enough to beat Detroit and the Saints I don't have to explain myself they're far and away better Detroit but on a recovery here, they go into a buy-in week five. They talk about what's going on, what they need to fix. And I have them coming out of their buy on fire. They beat Jacksonville, they beat the Falcons, and they beat the Colts. So they get back to three and four. That's just me. Nick, what do you got? Well, um, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, I have Chicago winning the division. But it, it seems to me with Detroit, they always have a tendency to split with Chicago home and home. So I think they can do it at home, which is, you know, kind of a neutral site, but that's okay. I think they can take Chicago to open the season since it's in Detroit. Um, that game was at Lambeau week two, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we've won there like three times in the last 35 years. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing like a man possessed all year, which I'm sure we can talk about later. We will. Um, I, I do like the Cardinals, but, you know, I, I I think the best addition the Lions have made in the last half a decade was adding Bavel as the offensive coordinator because him and Matt Stafford immediately just gelled. I think Detroit can outscore the Cardinals. Um, I would say they'd lose to the Vikings and beat the Jags. I would... I'm stuck in between two and three and three and two to start the year. I guess since they're my team, I'm going to pray for three and two with uh, losses to Green Bay and then to the Saints, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, can we agree that their, their ceilings probably three and two? Oh, oh, without a doubt. That's, that's definitely me being optimistic for my team there. Yeah. I, I don't. I think their ceiling is 4-1 and because I think they could shock the Packers. I think they could open 3-0, and lose to the Saints, and then beat the Jaguars. I think we could see possibly a 4-1 and Lions team. Like you said, that defense is completely different. And um, I don't know. I think their offense has a lot of weapons. I think their, their offense has – I think their offense is really good, actually. Like I said, if TJ Hawkinson is the breakout player I'm predicting, the two-headed monster in the backfield, Swift and Johnson, Galladay, Jones Jr., Danny Amendola, and Geronimo Allison, which is a nice piece, I I think the Lions could be 4-1, and one, honestly. Gosh, that receiving core. Yeah, it's overlooked. I mean, if I'm playing Madden and I'm drawing the Lions, I'm, I'm okay. Let's play. Run it. Let's go, baby. Like A lot of people in this league, other fan bases, they don't realize how good Kenny Galladay is, so they don't hear yeah. the big star name, so they say below average receiving core, but I'd put Marvin Jones up against any number two receiver in football. He's one of the better number twos, honestly, he really yeah, is. His only issue is consistency. It'll be one catch for seven yards, next game three touchdowns. I mean, it just yeah, he's very hot and cold. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, with Galladay and Jones, and then you mentioned it earlier, I, I think Hawkinson's going to take that step. You know, I, I wasn't huge on drafting a tight end in the top 10 again, but I mean, if we were going to do it, it would have to be for a guy like this. I mean, he's a special talent and he, he's going to keep coming along here over the next year to, year or two. So, well, anything else on Detroit? We, uh, Nick, they're your team. I know you, you know, you go in every year with high hopes. You can only do so much. I think you said it last week. They got to prove it to you. Um, yeah. You guys got any more on the Lions? Um, I know we didn't really talk about it a ton, but we did in the draft episode. But Jeff Okuda is going to be a dog day one. I agree. Nick seems to think it's going to be a slow transition. He doesn't think that uh, he'll be as good as Slay from from day one, but ultimately got high hopes, right, Nick? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl-type corner. It's just, you know, cornerback is one of the tougher positions to adjust to in the NFL. And when you're talking losing an all-pro caliber corner who's, you know, been a Pro Bowler four years in a row, been first second team all-pro, I think, the last two of the last three years. Slay was a stud, and that was a tough loss. But given, you know, maybe two to three seasons, Okuda could be something really special, but it's – hard to replace a perennial pro bowler day one. All right. Maybe, maybe, well, no, well, let me get into this because you brought it up. So Jeff Okuda had a above average <laughs> by the least bit. He was fantastic at Ohio state, Crazy. literally fantastic. And as a Michigan fan, the second half of the year where they started to open it up and start passing more. I did some smack talking the week of the Ohio State game. I said, you don't have a corner on your team that can lock up Nico Collins. He did just that. Locked up Nico Collins, made him a non-factor. I'm not saying Nico Collins is Julio Jones, you know, because he's not. But Okuda's going to play some receivers in this league. Very tough. Week one, he's going to see Allen Robinson. I think he'll be all right. Week two, he's going to see Devontae Adams. Probably a matchup Devontae Adams wins. Week three, he's going to see DeAndre Hopkins. Probably a matchup Hopkins wins. Four, he's going to see his former Buckeye, Mike Thomas. I hope he locks him up. <laughs> I don't know. I There's there's a lot of good receivers here. We're going to see how, how good he really is. Like I just said, Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams. You got Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald. You have Mike Thomas. Jacksonville doesn't really have anybody to – to really brag about. Then you got Julio Jordan. Jones and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I, he gets to go up against Galladay in practice, too. Yeah, yeah he's they, going up against Galladay and, and Harrison. Not Harrison. Marvin Jones. So, you know what? I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to be their number one from number one. And he's got Trufant and Roberts to uh, back there, too, to help him out. So, sure. we're going to move on to the Chicago Bears. Chicago finished up 2019 at 8-8. Eight but their last six, they were four and two. Okay, so they kind of finished a little bit strong. Um, they did release Prince Amakura Mara, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Gabriel, and Leonard Floyd, the linebacker. They did not have a first-round pick from the Cleo Mack trade, but they add a ton of stuff. I mean, this is probably one of the, like, the weirder off-seasons for a team. If you go and look up their, their transactions, it's literally flooded. So – so I'm going to give you the big ones. Jimmy Graham, the tight end, who was like one of like 10 tight ends on the roster. They actually just traded one the other day. Uh, they bring in Nick Foles from Jacksonville. They bring in – this is a super underrated move. 
Anybody that's listened to this, if you're a casual NFL fan and you're a Bears fan, listen up. This is why I'm doing this podcast. Robert Quinn to the Chicago Bears. Stud. You don't realize how good of a deal this is for Chicago. He was the sack leader for the Cowboys last year. Yes. And, Over Tank Lawrence. And, uh, we'll get to him in a little bit because, uh, spoiler, he's my breakout player. But, <laughs> I mean, Robert Quinn's a stud. They also bring in – this is a pretty underrated move. They bring in Ted Ginn Jr. Like it. I like the move too. And they draft Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. I, I don't know. I, uh, I like the Bears moves. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Nick. Um, you know, obviously, I, I picked them to win the division. Uh, my opinion, the best one-two punch at running back in the NFL with Montgomery and Cohen, two completely different styles. Uh, Alan Robinson may be the most underappreciated wide receiver in football, but that's because he had Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball the last couple seasons, which I don't think is going to be the case this year. Nick Foles... I, I think should win that job. I, I truly believe that. And, you know, we, we were talking last week about sometimes the best thing to do with a team is just to keep a core together. Chicago's defense and then adding a guy like Quinn to that is going to just be phenomenal. Kyle Fuller's a, a Pro Bowl corner. You know, uh, we don't even need to talk about Khalil Mack. I, I think everybody knows what he does him on one side and Quinn on the other rushing the passer that that's just going to be a nightmare for everyone they line up against, including my lions. Um, yeah. I, as long as the quarterback position has been solved, either Trubisky steps up or full steps in there and does what he did in Philly. I mean, that's, I think that's going to be a really good team. I uh, it, it, It's hard for me to say what the Bears are going to be because I like your pick on them taking the division. I just don't know when Nick Foles takes over. And I know a lot of people listening might, because I think all of us are high on Nick Foles, but I'm sure there's a, a vast majority of people that are saying, why are you so high on Nick Foles? I mean, I think going into season nine, I think this is where Nick Foles finally kills the backup position role that he's been labeled. I think he takes over the starting position coming to Chicago, I think is great for him. Um, all three coaches. I don't know if people know the connections here. Um, his 2012 rookie season, he worked with Matt Nagy on offense. So that's the head coach. Currently his current offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, he was Foles' quarterback coach in 2013 when he threw 27 tutties and only two picks. That's a great year, especially for a year two QB. And his quarterback coach, John D. Filippo, was his coach in 2017 when he took the ship for the Eagles. So he's got all the pieces in the coaching room. All those guys believe in him. And when I did my predictions for the first five, I did those based off of Mitch Trubisky starting. Um, I have a different for if Nick Foles starts. But I think that's huge. I think Nick Foles is going to have a fantastic year whenever they decide to give him the starting position. And that defense, let's not forget two years ago when they were 12-4, and four, I think it was, they went to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky. So, I mean, the defense can carry the team. And I don't think Akeem Hicks on the interior of the defensive line has talked about nearly enough. You've got Donald, you've got interior guys like Fletcher Cox, and I think Akeem Hicks is right up there in the tier one as well. Maybe not as good as those two guys, 
But Akeem Hicks is absolutely disruptive. And if you had a guy, Robert Quinn, opposite of Khalil Mack, they're going to be able to stop the run and get pressure with only four guys. I mean, if they send five or six, it's a total mismatch. So the Bears pose a huge problem going forward. So I'm going to chime in here, and I, I'm i not even considering Mitchell Trubisky a, a playing, playing quarterback this year. Really? There's no way as a head coach that you can look at your roster, look it up and down, and say, we just brought in Nick Foles, but we're going to wait to play him. This team's good enough to win today. This team is good enough to win with what you have, with what you've brought in. You, you cannot afford to let Mitchell Trubisky continue to bring this team down. I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't do it as a head coach. I'm sorry, Matt Nagy played. His, his team won a division title two years ago, correct? Yeah, they won the division title. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last year was a complete letdown at 8-8. Eight and eight. This year, you got to bounce back. How else are you going to bounce back? Trubisky's not getting you there. Okay. I'm going to go right into my breakout player. I got Nick Foles coming out and breaking out this season. So like you just touched on, in 2013, he threw 27 touchdowns. It's the only time in his entire career where he threw 20-plus touchdowns. His next best season is 13 touchdowns with 10 picks. Foles has never really had a full opportunity to play anywhere except for that 2013 season. Okay? I'm predicting 30 touchdowns, 13 picks. That's just shy of two a game. I think he's more than capable of this. I, I'm, I'm expecting a huge season from Nick Foles. Yeah. Kind of going, going defensive side of the ball, I've already talked up Robert Quinn a, a bunch. He played 14 games last year. He had 12 and, 11 and a half sacks. His career high was also in 13, just like Foles, at 19. I think he's going to get somewhere in between there. I think Robert Quinn's in for a 15-sack year. Everyone's going to be talking about him because Cleo Mack's over there. And here's think- the thing. If you're if you're not gonna double Cleo Mack and you're gonna move it to Quinn, you're gonna you're gonna pay for Mack. Someone's paying. Someone's getting sacks here. It's I have a gonna question. be both of them. Go ahead. Do you think Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack combined for thirty five sacks? That's a tall task. Or thirty. Let's do thirty. Yes. Thirty yes. sacks out of the yes. two of them. If they yes. have thirty two sacks, they're winning at least eleven games just off defense alone. And Switching back to offense with Nick Foles, everyone talks about Matt Nagy. I believe he came from like the Andy Reid tree, right? Very smart, very uh, lots of formations. This is a team that's not going to look the same every week. Like uh, Nick adjusted to with Cohen and Montgomery, two totally different styles. Having Cordell Patterson and Ted Ginn Jr., guys that can run reverses, or even Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, guys that can come across the field, short routes. You have Jimmy Graham and you draft the top tight end coming out of the draft in Cole Komet. You can line up in two tight end sets. You can go three wide. You have a power running back. You have a scat back and Tyreek Cohen. And my breakout player, David Montgomery, had just over 800 yards rushing this year. I don't think he was talked about nearly enough because, like you said, the Bears were a letdown. I think David Montgomery has 1,200 yards rushing. I believe that they're going to be more of a threat passing with Nick Foles that David Montgomery is going to have a breakout season year two. I think he's going to be a stud. Nick, I know you're, you're, you're feasting. I got one more thing to go into. Back to your proposal about the 30 sacks. As a team last year, Chicago had 32. That's going to, well, that's going to almost, they're, they're going to destroy that. Yes. They will, they will destroy that number. So the lead league last year 
was 54 by Pittsburgh, 53 by Carolina, and 51 by the Saints. They will be a top three pass rushing team. They will be in the top three in the sacks. They'll they'll eclipse 50. They're better than what they were last year. And I'm I'm a believer in this. You know, you may not believe in this, but if a team thinks they're going to lose every game, or in the fourth quarter you're down by three touchdowns, you're not going hard. No one believes you're in not. Nobody believes they have a shot to win with Mitchell Trubisky starting under center. So if you got Nick Foles, who won a stinking Super Bowl, and it's the fourth quarter and you're down by three, you at least have a slight chance at winning that game. I'm sorry, and those guys are still going hard. 100%. I, that, that team's going to hit 50 sacks. Robert Quinn's going to be a big reason why. Cleo Mack will be a big reason why. Nick, I'm sorry. What you got? Oh, um, if we're, if we're going to get to the breakout player, you know, this is the first time that I can remember for Chicago that Allen Robinson's going to have some help where he's not doubled every time. I'm going to say a breakout player is going to be, you know, 30-plus-year-old Jimmy Graham, a veteran quarterback with some iffy offensive line play. Who's your best friend? A good running game and a check-down tight end. I mean, is Jimmy Graham what he was in New Orleans? No, but to be able to catch all that underneath while Robinson just takes the entire secondary down the field with him, I. I just think him and you brought up Ted Ginn, too. That's another one. Ginn's not going to have the numbers, but he's going to be a difference maker just by changing the looks that the offense can give you on any given play. Just him being able to stretch the field, I think, opens up that entire offense. No more eight in the box in double-team Robinson and make Trubisky make a halfway decent throw to beat you. This is actually going to be, I think, a good offense this year. If that offensive line holds up, I think this is a good offense. And you combine that with this defense, it's why I unfortunately had to pick him to win the division. If Nick Foles is the starter day one, I will also take the Bears to win this division. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that he's going to be the starter. If Trubisky's the starter, uh, no. I, I, they have no chance. I, I, I can't see it. You want me to take away the first five here, Jeff? Uh, one more thing I want to touch on before we get into rosters. So Ted Ginn, that's a huge, that's a huge ad for them. I consider Ted Ginn two things: a kick returner and a deep threat. I, he's kind of a gadget guy, essentially. They have a gadget guy in Cordell Patterson. You get two gadget guys. You got two tight ends with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Obviously, they have a bunch more tight ends, but these are the two that I think everybody's assuming will be the majority of the passing game. Allen Robinson, I, I'm just, I don't see how you don't start Nick Foles, and I don't want to get back into it, but like. I'm assuming he's starting, and I, I'm assuming a big season out of him. You know, Allen Robinson deserves somebody that can get him the ball down the field. I don't have Allen Robinson's numbers in front of me last year, but I think it's I think it's a safe bet to say he gets probably 12 touchdowns, man. I I think Nick Foles can be the guy to get it to him, you know? And, uh, yeah, go ahead and take away the first five. All right, so for the first five, they are at Detroit for the first game. Then they are home against the Giants. They travel to Atlanta, and then they're home for the Colts and the Buccaneers, back-to-back. Um, uh, if Nick Foles is a starter, which we've established, I'm changing the Lions' first game to a loss and changing the Bears to a win. Uh, they will win against the Giants. They will win against the Falcons. I think they win against the Colts. I think they're 4-1. and one. It's hard to pick anybody to beat this Bucks team, but I think in Chicago – there's a real chance this could be the Buccaneers' second loss in their first five. That's a tricky game for them, 
but I'm going to take the Bucks there. I'm going to have the Bears at four and one, but I think they could uh, shock the NFL there and take down the Bucks, give them an unexpected loss. Nick, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, I, I would normally agree with you because I think Chicago is the better team against Detroit. The only reason I can say Detroit can take them is when you get rid of the training camp, you get rid of the preseason games, even though we all agree that Foles should be the starter, that's going to be his first time with live reps against a defense that's actually trying to stop him. You know, I, and I trust Matt Stafford when he's protected against any defense in this league, but that's if he's protected. I'm going to hope it's going to be Detroit to win that opening week. And then I, I, I think the Bears' only other loss out of that first five, like you said, is going to be the Bucks. I have them at three and two out of their first five. There's no way they lose to the Giants. The Falcons, when they show up, are a good team, but it's rare they show up. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say three and two to start their year. Yeah, I actually – I'm really high on this team. Um which is really weird because I don't have them winning the division. Spoiler alert. Um, I, I have them beating Detroit. I have them beating the Giants. I have them beating the Falcons. I have them beating the Colts. I won't be shocked if they beat Tampa Bay, but I have Tam Brady to stay undefeated in Chicago. He's never lost a game in Chicago. I don't think it changes. Uh, by week five, both teams will have reps in. And the Bucks are going to be pretty good come week five. I'll take them to win. I like, uh, Nick, I like your week one with uh, the Lions, you know, having the non-live reps with Nick Foles and stuff. I think week one, though, is where the Bears come out and that defense says we're just going to win games. I And it's funny how much we talked up the Lions offense and how excited we are. Now we got to switch to the Bears and try and be non-biased about what we talked about earlier, but... I just think the Lions, Matt Stafford's going to be running for his life. Um, they Their first-round draft pick, Jalen Johnson, I believe out of Utah, is a uh, – I believe that's where he came from, is another corner opposite of Kyle um, Kyle Fuller. Both of their safeties, Eddie Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson, I just think we're so quick to forget two years ago when they were that number one defense. It was hard to score 17 points on these guys. And I think in uh, – this season, I think defenses are going to start faster than offenses coming out of training camp. And uh, I think the Bears just suffocate the Lions week one. I think that's a defensive win. I think Nick Foles honestly gets bailed out his first game from that defense. But, yes, I could see the Lions opening week at home possibly taking that game. But I, I want to pick you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think we all have them winning at least three games. Could be yeah. four, could be three, so... Yeah, I want to piggyback. I just hypothetical Mitchell Trubisky starts the first three games. I think the Bears are still three zero because I think their defense is that good. That I I I'm picking them to win defensively through the first four weeks. I guess it, even if even if Nick Foles for some reason isn't the starter, um, I liked how they would match up defensively. The pass rush is going to be too much. I think you will truly see it. The only team that's like, eh, maybe the Giants, but literally their starting left tackle just opted out for the season. I mean... Two players on their defense, though. The Giants are going to give up points. They're going to give up a lot of points. Yeah, so I I, I just like the Bears to start off minimum 4-0. The Colts game 
Phil Rivers is in for one. If they don't, if the Colts are not moving the ball by week four, the Colts are in for a long day because what? I'm sorry, Phil Rivers can't just stand back there and drop back 30 times to win that game. It's not going to work out. And what's tough is Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and uh, oh my lord, Khalil Mack. All three of those guys were talking about their pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. All three of those guys stopped the run too. Yeah. All three of those guys are. I mean. As the Bears, you're saying it's kind of like the Giants when they won their Super Bowls, when it's like we can just rush four. I mean, we're going to be able to rush the passer and stop the run with seven in coverage. If they send a fifth guy to make it one-on-one across the board, it favors the Bears every time. And I know Robert Quinn's been talked about so much. He's in our mind. Khalil Mack is Aaron Donald-level talent. They just had a disappointing year. The past two or three seasons, even when he was on uh, the Raiders, Who's better, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald? I think most people would take Aaron Donald, and that's no shame. But, like, Khalil Mack, I mean, it, he's just we, – we forget. I think I think last year we forgot about how – I mean, the monster of the midway. I mean, he's just – he's insane, and he's going to open up. It starts and ends on that defense with him, and I, I the Bears are just – they're going to be year, a good watch. Two years ago, opening night, Sunday night football – for you know the the Bears and the Packers kicked off snap count and Cleo Max first game with with Chicago he almost beat the Packers by himself but it took Aaron Rodgers late heroics to win that game that's really why I'm going Bears through these first four they're just going to be too much I could definitely Nick I could definitely see Stafford going in there and you know maybe they run it a bunch to try and soften up the the pass rush but I just think it's going to be too much. Well, and that's going to be the key thing, I think, of that entire game. If if the Lions cannot stop that pass rush, they, they would not have a prayer. But I, I just think, even though Foles is by far the better quarterback, the fact that he just has not had live reps with this offense yet, I feel like that's the only reason Detroit could take him. If this were a game not week one, but week six, I would take the Bears, you know, with a, 10 point cushion but to open the season when he hasn't played a defense yet with all those new players around him I I think it's there's going to be a little adjustment if this season wasn't dictated by COVID I wouldn't be picking the Lions to beat the Bears week one okay anything else on Chicago no I don't think so we're going to move on to the Minnesota Vikings who finished up 2019, 10-6. They beat New Orleans on the road, 26-20 in the divisional round. And, I'm sorry, wild card weekend, not the divisional round. The divisional round, they went to San Francisco, and they lost 27-10. Now, I want to apologize. Last week, I stated that the Minnesota Vikings did not get 100 total yards against the Niners on the podcast. I was incorrect. They had less than 150 yards. They had 147. The, the Niners suffocated them. But I just wanted to correct myself for all you Vikings fans out there. Corey. <laughs> Corey, if you're listening. So they had a busy offseason. They traded Stephon Diggs, their Pro Bowl wide receiver, to the Buffalo Bills. They released Xavier Rhodes, their longtime Pro Bowl corner. They released their guard, Josh Klein. They drafted hopefully a future wide uh, Pro Bowl wide receiver and Justin Jefferson, 
the LSU standout wide receiver. They extended Cousins and Mike Zimmer. This is a team that bet on themselves. They have one of the top five rosters in the entire league. I think we've talked about that multiple times in the last several weeks. What do you guys think about the Minnesota Vikings? Nick, why don't you go first? Um, you know, they, they have a very solid defense, and, and I think this is going to be the same story that we've had from Minnesota ever since he's got there. What Kirk Cousins shows up on a weekly basis you know, he's a guy who can throw 350 yards and four touchdowns, no problem. But if you're going to do a Sunday or Monday night game, that guy's going to throw four interceptions instead. And then you, you, you take away Diggs is that deep threat. I, I mean, Dalvin Cook's a stud running the ball, but how do you how do you move the ball down the field now getting rid of Diggs? Thielen's solid, but he ended up hurt at the end of last year. Does he recover fully from that? And even if he does... They have no proven weapons outside of him on the outsides. Uh, you know, it's a very good defense, and there's potential on the offense, but I'm just not as high as some other people on Minnesota this year. Okay. Um, they also lose Linval Joseph, right? Their defensive lineman. He leaves, I'm pretty sure. He hasn't been signed by anybody, but yes, he is technically off the roster, yes. And what about Emerson Griffith? Same thing there. He's I'm sorry, also... he hasn't been signed by anybody. My apologies. I believe they, 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 they lose Linval Joseph, too, their, their big defensive tackle. Um, I believe so, you're correct on that, yeah. yeah. So they lose, let, I'm assuming Emerson Griffith is not coming back. So they lose two big pieces on the interior. They lose their best corner. And it's basically, I feel like that covered up a lot to make them a great defense. I know Harrison Smith is still there. Um, I don't really like the Vikings defense. And I think Stefan Diggs did a lot. Obviously, he did a lot for that offense. But I don't know if Justin Jefferson can quite do what Diggs did. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be good off the get. But I don't know if he's going to demand the kind of attention that Diggs did. Um, I like Kirk Cousins more than some people, but again, like you said, his consistency is a bit of an issue. Um, Delvin Cook's a monster, but I believe this year that's the big name on the whiteboard every team circles. We just got to stop Delvin Cook and see if Kirk Cousins can get it done. And with their defense, in my opinion, regressing, I don't think they're going to stop a lot of people. I think this could be a shock, and I think the Vikings could finish fourth in the division this year. And I know that's crazy because they've kind of been, you know, a, around a 10-win team, lock for the playoffs type of team. And But with the Bears being better, I think the Lions are going to be better, and I think Aaron Rodgers play, always plays well against the Vikings, it seems like to me. I mean, I don't watch all their games, but... I don't really like the Vikings a ton this year. And I mean, maybe that goes against the grain, but I know I see on the poll, it got the second most votes for winning the division. But I wonder if that's because people are just like, oh, they're the Vikings, you know, they're going to be good. But like when you do a little bit deeper of a dive on this team, I feel like they've got some holes. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins is a good enough eraser to be able to cover up some of the issues they have on the, on the defense and offensive side of the ball. Are you done? Yes, go ahead. I'll hand it off to you. Let's hear it. 
I'm not going to sit here and talk Kirk Cousins like he's Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. But I don't understand the hate. So let me give you his first two seasons in Minnesota. He's 18-13-1. It's actually not terrible for a starting quarterback. His last season was 10-5. His first season, he was 8-7-1. Okay? But... 30 touchdowns, 10 picks, 70% completion. Last season, okay, they threw it a lot less. He threw it 160 less times. He threw 26 touchdowns, so almost as many with six picks. At 69%. So he's basically averaging 69.5% throwing the ball. What more can you physically ask from a quarterback that's a run-driven team? Like, what... Why are we hating on Kirk Cousins? I don't understand it. He doesn't win primetime games. Cool. Cool. Uh, he hasn't been in a Super Bowl yet, so primetime games truly don't really matter that much. He's still going to the playoffs. He's kicking the Saints' ass every time he plays them. I, what more can we ask of him? Kirk Cousins, they, there's a reason they resigned him. They look at his numbers, and they're like, we don't give a crap what you guys think about our quarterback. He's our guy. He's, he's complete 69.5% of his throws. He's averaging 28 touchdowns a year. Well, come on. Well, I I just feel like, the, in a sense, Kirk Cousins plays well throughout a game. His completion percentage, everything you alluded to is good, but it kind of comes down to, you know, in, in a, in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, how come it always seems like his team is the one not, pulling out those those big moment games and I have to think it's a fluke that he just loses on Sunday night and Monday night usually they they pin you against really good teams on those days but again maybe that's why he hasn't been to a Super Bowl because in the playoffs again you're playing those good teams and as much as a quarterback has a high completion percentage and I mean it's kind of like the way I look at it Kirk Cousins has this extremely high uh, completion percentage and he's accurate but when you look around, he's got a Pro Bowl caliber tight end in Kyle Rudolph and two Pro Bowl wide receivers. I feel like everyone likes Kirk Cousins, but they don't put him in that number one tier. I feel like it's the same complaint you and I have about kind of on a different scale, but Michael Thomas. He's, we don't think he's that tier one because it's all short catches and he doesn't do like, you know, those monster big plays. It's all underneath, you know, it's, it's quick passes. It's a different style than your Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. Kirk Cousins has a different style than those guys that are ripping it deep down the field. Kirk Cousins might take one shot a game to Diggs, but isn't that why he left? Because he wasn't getting enough chances deep down the field. One of, one of the reasons I feel, I believe he said something like that. So I like Kirk Cousins and on a typical Kirk Cousins is always going to beat the bad teams. You don't have to worry about Kirk Cousins playing down to the competition. He takes care of the teams he's supposed to beat. When he plays those teams that are good, he just can't seem to edge out the best teams. And I think with them regressing on defense, I don't think Kirk Cousins is the biggest issue. But again, some of those teams who have holes on defense, like the Seahawks might have some holes or the Chiefs have some holes on defense, they have quarterbacks who can erase those because they're that good. I don't think Kirk Cousins is big enough to erase some of the issues this team has on defense. I don't think they're going to be the defensive powerhouse that everyone else thinks they are. I think they regressed in that area this year. I guess that's my concern. What do you think, Nick? Well, 
you know, you hit it. It's not that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. I, I don't know if you guys will agree, but I, every time I think about this, he, he seems to me a lot like Tony Romo was. You know, he's going to play well. He's going to have the stats. But it seems like that one play happens that even his teammates are questioning him, whether it's justified or not. I think Cousins is a good quarterback, but you, you lose a guy like Stephon Diggs, who that's a big deal. The defense is going to be good, but I think I agree with you. It's not going to be as good as it was in other seasons. You know, it, Dalvin Cook has to stay healthy. Kirk Cousins did, a, as you pointed out with the stats, a phenomenal job not throwing the really bad pick last year. But he had, I would say at that time, the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the NFL to go along with a running back who, who's going to give you 1,500 yards in a season. So that that's let me let me interrupt you here because you're half right. Thielen was injured like half the year. Stephon Diggs has been part of trade rumors for a year and a half. So having the the pressure that you have to force the ball to somebody, that can be something. Yeah. Baker Mayfield dealt with it all last year. It's a it's a true thing where you feel like you have to give somebody the ball. Okay. Kirk Cousins honestly played with a pretty beat-up team last year. And in this playoff game, you know I was giving Vikings a hard time. He was 21 of 29 for 172 in a touchdown. He was sacked six times, and they only ran it 10 times for 21 yards. He didn't have any help. Kirk Cousins isn't the problem on this team. And I'm not saying – I think the Vikings are a very good team. I think they're, they're probably – they're a top – three or four complete team in this league that they truly can play run pass. They can play defense. They're a complete team. Uh, I'll st- that's my opinion. I'll stand by it. They are actually here. Spoiler. They're my pick to win the division just because I think they're, they're the most, they're the best coach team in this division. And that's going to show. And they have, they have the, the best roster in this division. I, I like having a little bit of controversy. I think this is the first team we haven't really truly agreed on here with, with the Vikings. Um, but I think I just want to drive home mine and Nick's point that neither of us think Kirk Cousins is the problem. We like Kirk Cousins. I think if we did a list off the top of my head, he would sit somewhere around 10th to 12th best quarterback in the league. He may even crack the top 10. I mean, it, he's, he's, he's a good starter. But me and Nick have a different belief in the Vikings defense this year. You think they're going to be a a good defense again, which they may be. Me and Nick think that they aren't. And if me and Nick are correct that they aren't going to be a good defense, we just don't think Kirk Cousins can overcome a bad defense. If the defense is good, he can take that team to a good, if not great, record. But if he doesn't have the defense to help, he is not built to carry a team to 11 wins. That, that I think that's what we're saying. I, it all depends on the defense's level of play because Kirk Cousins, we know what we're getting. It's just, will the team around him be able to support that? Because, I, yeah, I think I said enough here. I think that, that's, what the, that's what we're trying to say. Well, I'm, I'm going to come back and here. Here's my Go ahead. Minnesota. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm going to read you a list of names, and you tell me why this doesn't sound good. Riley Reef, Pat Elfine. Garrett Bradbury, Dakota Dozier, Brian O'Neill. That is his starting offensive line. The, there, there's not one guy there that I can say would be a starter 
on at least half the teams in the NFL at, his, at their position. And if you're not going to have that defense forcing all those three and outs so that they can just keep running the football, running the football, running the football, especially in the division with someone like the Bears who get after the passer, you know, I, I, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, but it's just like you said, he's not that elite quarterback that can mask everything. And he's going to have occasions where he is just going to have to run for his life. You know, we talked about it last week with Russell Wilson. It, it might be that case with Kirk Cousins if somebody is willing to commit to stopping the run and stopping Delvin Cook right away. That is not a good offensive line. And when you are not a mobile quarterback, which Kirk Cousins is not, it, you could be in some trouble. My only thing is, just like I talked about with Matt Patricia, the one thing you ask of a defensive coach is that their team is is good defensively. Sure. Mike Mike Zimmer, since the day that he stepped foot in Minnesota, doesn't matter who lines up on Sunday, that team is good defensively. They always have been. And they're disciplined. He likes to run the ball. He has a top five running back when it comes to going between the tackles in this league. When healthy. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm I'm going to stick with the Vikings here because I do believe that Kirk Cousins can get the job done. And I think I'm a little higher on Justin Jefferson than maybe than maybe you are, Brad. Nick, you didn't really touch on it, but I, I like – see, David Cook in 14 games had 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. He needs to be a little better than that. He needs to go all 16. I need 1,400 yards, and I need 12 touchdowns from him this year. I know I'm asking a lot especially if the defense isn't going to be as good, but I think they're going to be pretty all right. Yeah, and therefore, um, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to allude to Justin Jefferson. Um, as much as I don't think he will be Diggs, he, he's the only rookie I have in this division as my breakout player because I think he fits Kirk Cousins' play style. Um, accurate, get the ball out quick. And Justin Jefferson is a guy who can take a four-yard pass you know, 40 yards to the house. I think Justin Jefferson will be a volume catcher this year right off the bat as a rookie. Um, I think a lot of attention is going to be paid to Delvin Cook in the box and Adam Thielen until we see what Justin Jefferson is. But I really like Justin Jefferson. I think even in eight-man leagues, I think he should be picked in fantasy. I think he's going to, especially in PPR leagues, I think he's going to have at least 80 catches this year. And he might go for a 1,000 his rookie year. I I could see 80 catches, 1,000 yards, anywhere from six to nine touchdowns out of Justin Jefferson, personally. From everything you just told me, assuming Dalvin Cook plays at least 14 games, Adam Thielen's not going to take that much of a step back. You don't think this team's going to win the division? Well, that's the thing. With Dalvin Cook, I think teams are going to commit so much to stop him. And I think... Again, with me believing the defense isn't going to be as good, I think the Vikings could trail in some more games this year. And if they're going to try and neutralize Delvin Cook, who maybe was even a top three running back, I mean, he was in that conversation, top five. When you try and neutralize a guy like that and your team is behind, it's going to be built for them to pass more. I think Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, even Kyle Rudolph are going to have good years. But I think Delvin Cook takes a step backwards, not that it's his fault, but I do think Dalvin Cook takes a step backwards and there's going to be more on the shoulders of Kirk Cousins 
that's why I have them losing the division because the more pressure on Kirk Cousins, I think the lower the team falls. Because I, I mean, we've talked enough about Kirk Cousins. I don't, I just don't think he's good enough to overcome being having to be, you know, take the team himself. You gave Justin Jefferson as your breakout. I'm going with Kyle Rudolph. I think he eclipses 10 touchdowns for the first time in his career. He's always been a very good tight end. He's definitely never been a top five tight end. I'm not saying this year he's going to be, but I think he will present himself as more of a red zone threat for the first time in his career. I think he eclipses 10 touchdowns as my breakout. Nick, who do you got? Um, I got a guy that could definitely help with some of the offensive line issues I brought up and to go with Rudolph. Irv Smith Jr., people forget about him right away. If they start running two tight end sets to you know help in the – in the ground game and to help stop that pass rush a little bit with an extra blocker, just to chip before releasing Irv Smith could be a guy that's, you know, finally on the field enough to see 50 plus catches w- without, you know, struggling to do so. I really think he's going to see a lot more playing time this year. And I think that's going to help underneath pull some of that pressure off of Thielen and Rudolph in the passing game. I, if they're going to have a good season, I feel like Irv Smith's going to have to really step up the season from where he was at, which sounds weird for a number two tight end to have to produce, but just how the team is built, I feel like he's going to have to. And I think he, his numbers will improve from last year. I I think a lot more people are going to take notice of him. Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, correct? The Browns new head coach. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know Stefanski's very run heavy, which is going to work for him at the Browns, but it could be this new guy. I don't know who the new OC is, but it could be this guy's more pass heavy. I mean, who knows what we're going to see out of this offense. It could be a completely different offense with uh, with the new OC. Yeah. We've beat this team to death, but we haven't even gone over their first five. So let's run through that first before we get to the Packers. All right. First five. Um, home against the Packers loss at Colts. They get a W. They're home against the Titans. They lose again at home. They go to Houston, get a dub. Then they're at Seattle. They lose. I have them at two and three. And just to reiterate that third game against the Titans, who I'm not super high on with their losses on the defensive line. I look for Derrick Henry to have a monster game week three against the Vikings. I think Derrick Henry could go for a buck 50, maybe even two bucks. Okay. I actually have this team at three and two. It's really hard to pick three wins and two losses. I just think that's theoretically their, their record. I only have them as a lock over two teams, the Colts and the Texans. I think they're better than both of those teams. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, I think they'll take one against the Packers Titans or Seahawks. Definitely agree with the Titans game that the Titans might just be too much for them up front. The Packers, we're going to touch on them in a minute. I believe they take a monster step back. So I think the, that's probably where I would give the Vikings the the third win. But hypothetically speaking, the Packers come out and, and beat them week one. I could see them beating Russ because, as we alluded to last week, Russ is all the Seahawks have. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's Kirk Cousins on prime time. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say. What do you think, Nick? I think, I think this team's three and two. I just don't know where they get the wins and losses from. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to be two and three. Um, I think they can beat the Titans. 
and their week two matchup with I'm sorry, I'm the drawing Colts. a blank now. The Colts. Yeah, the Colts which I, I think are gonna be in a lot of trouble this year. Um those are the two ends. Losing Hopkins was bad for Houston, but Deshaun Watson's still a beast. And in a quarterback league, I'd take I, I'd take him to win against the majority of teams in the NFL. So, so I, I don't think the Vikings beat him there. I, I'm going to say two and three. Nick, we didn't have you on the AFC South episode. I'm not sure if you, you listened to it back. Me and Brad um, predicted the Texans to start off 0-6 or 0-7. We have them at 1-6 through their first seven because they beat the Jags. Yeah. Um, they go into their bye week, week eight. We both have them at 1-7. and seven. Yeah. It, it's it's nothing against Deshaun Deshaun Watson. We both love Deshaun Watson. It is all about their coaching and the train wreck organization that they Just are. Monster too. This well, is right, yeah. Suffering from what Detroit is, you know, they might have a mutiny on their hands against a head coach after Dude. the off season that he just decided to blow up on everybody with. But you know, until that happens and they just turn their backs on him. It's a quarterback-driven league, and Deshaun Watson's absolutely a top-10 quarterback. Yeah. You, you could start making No, he is. Five. I'd say I'd, he's minimum top six. Yeah, and, I mean, you he's know, it's, top 10, and I see him right around that same area, five, six in the league. I, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. That, that not A-plus tier where you got, you know, Mahomes and Brady of the last decade and Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, but – the AA minus tier, Deshaun Watson's right at the top of that. Yeah, as much as I have the Texans losing so much, I'm never gonna tell someone they're wrong for for siding with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's that kind of that kind of good. He's different. So, yeah, I mean, lo- losing Hopkins is gonna be huge. And I'll tell you what, if that don't work out, he O'Brien's gone. Yeah, yeah, we it, had it him gone be... at the bye week. Yeah, we picked it. Yeah, we picked that he would be fired if, at the bye week. If, if they start one and seven, he will be gone at the bye week. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move right along because we we're we're really moving here. Let's go with the Packers. Twenty nineteen, they end at thirteen and three. They go undefeated in the North. They beat all their division opponents. They go into the divisional round and they beat the Seahawks twenty eight twenty three. But then they go up against the 49ers, who had smashed them a few weeks prior, and they lose again 37-20. Personally, I think it was just a bad matchup. The Niners are just far and away better than them, as we touched on last week. Um, they had an interesting offseason, to say the least. They brought in Christian Kirkley, the linebacker. That's a pretty good signing. They bring in Devin Funches, who we were both high on, Brad. Uh, we spoke on a different podcast. But the problem is, is Devin Funches is going to sit out for COVID. Yep. So... A receiver they thought they had, they no longer have. They drafted Jordan Love in the first round, quarterback, and they lost Allison and Jimmy Graham, as we already talked about. So this it's a very it's a very intriguing off season. Before we get into the record, you get what do you guys got to say about the Packers? They're a very hard team to analyze. I feel their defense shocked the world, quite honestly, last year, and. Same thing, what we just kind of touched on with Deshaun Watson is any team that's got Aaron Rodgers on their roster, they immediately have a chance. I mean, he can he can take dirt and make it diamonds. I mean, he's just – he's that kind of good, always has been, whether you like his personality or this or that. With the pads on, whistle the whistle, 
he's one of the most elite quarterbacks I've ever seen play the game. So, I mean, as as Stephen A. would say, that's a bad man. I think this yeah. team goes as far as Aaron Rodgers goes and alluding to his personality. I know a lot of people, the whispers around town are, Aaron Rodgers going to be a man on fire, unstoppable, 80 tutties, zero picks, you know, like Aaron Rodgers. But at the other thing, you know, him kind of, you know, alluding to him possibly being done in Green Bay, the Jordan Love being the last draw. What if he gives up? What if two weeks before the season he opts out because he's done being a Packer? I mean, he could be that kind of shady. I mean, I'm serious. You know, no one knows what they're getting out of Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, he's got Devontae Adams. Devin Funches was going to be my breakout player, but that boy don't want the sniffles, so he gone. And then, I mean, we'll see. I like their defense. Adam Christian Kirksey, maybe they just want to see how far this defense can take them. Uh, Aaron Jones, or Aaron Jones, right? Yeah, running back. Yeah. He was a stud last year. Then they uh, draft Austin or A.J. Dillon in the second round, power back, maybe a short down back. They still got, is it Jamal Williams? Is that his name? So, I mean, they've got some pieces. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers can do. Um, what do you think, Nick? What do you got on the Green Bay Packers? Um, You, you know, we, we mentioned Russell Wilson a few times saying, you know, he was everything Seattle has. We could make an argument that Aaron Rodgers is maybe even more valuable to the Packers than maybe Russell Wilson is to the Seahawks. I would say maybe Wilson by a thread, but you know, all, all he's had in that receiving core is Devonte Adams and a bunch of guys signed off the practice squad that he makes look very good that become respectable players. But how much of that is just Aaron Rodgers? Um, the one signing I saw they did have was uh, Rick Wagner, which uh, he was kind of just a revolving door at right tackle every time Matt Stafford snapped the damn ball. So a, a quarterback who's already running for his life and has already had history with injuries, that is not a good offensive line. They do have a stud of a running back in Jones, and I do like A.J. Dillon, but I, I realistically cannot tell you another receiver on Green Bay's team. And I'm sorry, when you when you have a franchise quarterback that comes out publicly the day of your draft and says, Hey, I, I I wish that you could, you know, I, I really wish you could get us a receiver. You know, we haven't drafted one in 15 years. That'd be great. And not only do you not do that, but you draft his replacement when you were just in the NFC Championship game. That that's that's rough. Yeah, um, alluding to the offensive line, they also lost Brian Balaga. I believe he went to the Chargers. Their Pro Bowl left yeah. tackle's gone. So, I mean, we talked, we, we wanted to talk about the Vikings or Lions being, you know, pressured. The Lions are going to have a good front seven. You know, a lot of teams in the NFC period have good front sevens and pass rushers. So that is going to be a problem. Um, I know you, we're, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here for like the breakout player, but um, you said you couldn't name another wide receiver, Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think it could be kind of a breakout tandem because, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been a a decent deep threat. He had a few good games last year, kind of coming in. This will be his third year. Alan Lazard was undrafted. No one ever heard of the guy. And then Aaron Rodgers fell in love with him. It seemed like he was a guy he really, really looked forward to passing to. 
Devontae Adams obviously going to take all the pressure, but I believe he leads all receivers in touchdowns since like 2017 or something like that. So Devontae is going to be Devontae. I think the offense will still be fine, but they're going to need their defense to uh, to carry him a lot. But again, Aaron Rodgers, I think I said it before, and I kind of like the phrase first time I used it, he can make dirt diamonds. I think I'm going to say that a little more often, but he's a dirt to diamond kind of guy. Let's patent that. Let's get that on a T-shirt. But what do you got, Jeff? I was actually going to go with the exact same thing. So my breakout player for 2020 is Valdez Scantling. So he comes off a 26 catch, 452 yards and two touchdown season. Here's, here's the glaring number I want to throw out there. Cause I'm, this is one of the reasons I'm not a huge Mike Thomas guy, mm-hmm. 17 and a half yards a catch. This guy was a deep threat. Okay. I'm going to take him back just a snib. I'm going to put him at 16 yards a catch. I'm going to put him at 55 catches for 880 yards and 10 touchdowns in his breakout year. I think that with what Green Bay did for for Aaron Rodgers, which was, by the way, nothing, he's going to have to make dirt to diamonds. He's going to fall short. They're not going to be good enough to win this division. They're just – their roster is not good. Their offensive roster is not good enough. Their defense is solid. It'll do enough for them week to week. This team isn't good enough to win the division, though. And Aaron Rodgers, if he played on fire with the offense that he has, he'll put up better numbers than he did last year, but it's not enough to win the division. I'm not saying he's not a playoff team. I'm not saying he's not a top-seven team in, this, in his own conference, but he's not winning the division. I think it's either the Bears or the Vikings. I actually put Green Bay as a potential three As you are down on the Vikings, I am down on the Packers. This team is solely driven on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams didn't even have that great of a year last year, which is one of the reasons he was so low in the top 100. The toe injury, yeah. I, So I just, I don't know. I think that uh, Devin Funches could have had a huge year in this offense. He obviously is not going to play. I don't have a whole lot more to say on Green Bay. I just think that they are very handcuffed offensively. I don't know. I don't know how much of a stat this is or how many divisions do this, but I am. I could possibly see here, and I'm, this might shock some people, but I could see the top two and bottom two in the division flipping. In my opinion, I could see the Bears winning the division and the Lions coming on really strong this year and possibly taking second. I think we could see Packers third, Vikings fourth. And I know that's crazy because they received so many votes on the poll. And a lot of people, if they made it this far in the podcast, I know where it's a long one, but that, that might take you back in your seat a little bit. But what I'm doing is I'm challenging you to think more than just the names. Because the last few years, we know the Packers are good, Aaron Rodgers, and we know the Vikings have been good. But really challenge yourself to start thinking about how good the Lions and Bears can be. And maybe how not good the Packers and Vikings may be this year. And the whole NFC is tough. There's no easy games there. Week in, week out, you're playing tough opponents. And and I could really see, I mean, I think two of us have the Bears winning the division, and we were all high on the Lions uh, earlier in this pod. So I, I think that's just something you could look out for. This is a tricky division. Any more before we go into the first five, Nick? Um, You guys brought up your your breakouts. Yes. I, I yes. would say if, if they're going to do something this year, someone on that defense has to step up. There is n- no one I can think of more physically just 
gifted than Rashawn Gary going back defense an inside defensive end versus that out of position linebacker thing he was doing last year. The guy's six five, almost three hundred pounds. I know they run a three four a lot of the time, but that guy is not a linebacker. He's a defensive end and he's a mammoth human being and somebody has to step up and try and stop the run. And if they're going to have a good year, it's because Rashawn Gary is going to break out. Yeah. If they can line up Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary with Zadarius Smith, all from one side of the ball. That's scary. Yeah. That's a, thank you for pointing out Rashawn Gary. Obviously we're all Michigan fans here, but Rashawn Gary, he's been, a, it's not he even was, a Michigan thing. It's the number one guy coming out of high school where they were even saying back then, man, this, if this guy even, lives up to half of his potential he could be a number one overall pick and they're saying that when he's a junior in high school this guy's a physical freak and has he lived up to those expectations no but to be fair the guy was supposed to be coming in as a three technique defensive tackle into college got moved then he starts learning the defensive end position and then they move him to outside linebacker in a three four that he's never run he's finally now going to get a season where he's comfortable in what he's doing with this inside defensive end technique. And I, I just think that with with how bad they were against the run last year, if either he or someone else doesn't come up massive compared to last season, they're just going to have the ball run down their throats in almost every game. And every other team in division has a good running game. Go ahead, Jeff. I said, speaking of, let's go through their first five, talk about their games. So uh, they are at the Vikings. Then they're home against the Lions at the Saints. Then they're home against the Falcons early by week, week five. And then they're at the Buccaneers. Um, I think everyone will have it as a loss for the Saints and Bucks, giving them two losses. Um, at the Vikings, home against the Lions, uh, they're going to beat the Falcons, I think. Um, the Lions and Vikings, again, this division's very tricky. I'll have them splitting those games. They find a win somewhere and they find a loss somewhere. Um, so I'm going to have them at two and three to start the year. I have them at two and three as well. I have them losing to the Vikings, beating the Lions, losing to the Saints, beating the Falcons, and losing to Tampa Bay. I think that this team is, like I said, they're handcuffed offensively. And to be completely honest, all five of their first opponents have better offenses than them. I'm giving them Aaron Rodgers to take two wins, period. That's that's all five of these teams can outscore the Packers. But I believe that Aaron Rodgers can do enough against underproven teams like the Falcons and the Lions. No offense, Nick. Nick, go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm right in that same boat with you on the two and three. Uh, my only question is, is Aaron Rodgers does own Minnesota. I mean, he's always owned Minnesota. Um, I, I think Minnesota is a better overall team. I, I do. I do think they're a better team. So I would say Minnesota there to get that win. They're going to, the Lions do not win in Lambeau. There's three things in life you can prepare for death, taxes, and the Lions choking in Lambeau. That's just how the world works. But I, at some point, you just start feeling sorry for Aaron Rodgers. You know, they they have the potential to be so much better than they are, but they they just don't seem interested in putting weapons around him. I'm going to say two and three. So for what it's worth, last year they swept the Vikings, 
In 2018, the Vikings swept the Packers. In 2017, the Vikings swept the Packers. So the Packers, so the Vikings have gotten better. And Rodgers hurt for three of those games. He he might have been. He might have been. I, I think gosh. he was because it was a running there, thing a, that he kept getting his uh, collarbones broke. Yeah, there's a good chance he probably was hurt. I'm just throwing out those, but the yeah, Vikings yeah. have definitely redeemed themselves as far as uh, a divisional opponent. But. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the only problem they ever really had was against Aaron Rodgers. They were always good against the Bears and the Lions, from what I can remember. But Yeah. Well, Nick, who wins this division? I'm going to say the Bears. Okay, you're doubling down the Bears. Brad, who you got? I'm going hot. I'm going Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. Woo! You Man. heard it here first. Let's see what happens. I'm going to take the Vikings, the Bears, the Packers, and the Lions. But to what you said, I would not be shocked if the Lions played for the two. They're good enough offensively. I want to see what they do defensively. I want to see how well they're coached. If if the Lions come out, well, you know, their first five, I predicted them to be 0-4 in their first four and then come out three and zero. Uh three zip. So if they can if they start three and four, they're gonna have a tough time battling back. If they can get one or two wins in those first four games. I think they're going to win those three after their bye. They could very easily be five and two and look like a damn good team. Stafford's got to stay healthy and they got to score. Right. With all that said, anything else? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on something. I noticed uh, breaking down these divisions. I am a huge fan of the hot take, hence my seating in the division. I really like, you know, my Brad's bold predictions. You know, I like to, to force people to maybe disagree at first, but think a little bit deeper about the possibility of these things happening. But with that being said, if you're a week to week listener, I realize some of my win losses may contradict themselves. You know, I'm viewing it differently in a different week. Maybe I had, you know, the bears winning here. And then we talk about another team two weeks later, you know, I have the bears losing that same game. I won. So with that being said, if you're listening, I encourage you to do it. Maybe not with every team, but some, if you don't want to, but in the Facebook group, um, each day in August, I will be doing one team, their full win loss. I am going to have all 256 games predicted so that there will be no overlaps and I will have one solid prediction before the season. And each day I will be releasing a new team. So if you guys are active in the Facebook group, I would love for you guys to comment on those, maybe put up your team predictions. Um, I don't know how I'm going to start the teams yet, but it's something I look forward to and it's something I'll be active with every day in the podcast. So definitely give me stick if you disagree. And uh, tell me where you think I'm right or wrong, but it's something fun that I encourage everyone to do if you guys uh, if you guys have the time or feel like you want to do it. Yeah, 22, uh, 22 of you guys thought that the Packers were in this division. I would love to hear from even 11 of you guys defending why that you still think they're going to after you listen to this pod. You know, none of us picked the Packers to win this division. Um, doesn't mean they can't. Doesn't mean we're not, you know, th- we don't think they're tanking by any means. I just think that we, we the way we've broken it down, they're not good enough to overcome their dysfunction. And it does seem, like you said, Brad, that every week we're picking people to go three and two. And not everybody can be three and two to start the year. But like you said, we're, we're picking these in a five-game bubble, and we're looking at that specific team. So, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I look forward to 
to breaking down, you know, game by game and, and for everybody and doing a, a bracket like that. That's smart, Brad. And I'll be sure to pick it apart where you have the Patriots losing. So <laughs> <laughs> They're 1-15, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after how many of them just decided they weren't going to play this year because yeah. they were afraid of catching a cold, but, you know. It's always tough. Uh, well, guys, uh, another successful pod. We went uh, an hour and 20. I think this might be the longest podcast ever. Yeah, that's uh, good. It, it, if it is, it was definitely a good one. It was fun talking to you guys, like always. Thank you again, and I'll see you guys next time. Yep. Take care, guys. Have a good one.